0: Good evening. Again, I want to extend a warm welcome to everyone this evening, especially our visitors. We're glad that you are with us this evening. Uh, please stick around and give us the opportunity to, to get to know you and visit with you. We're, you're indeed our honored guest, and we're happy that you're with us this evening. I also want to extend a, an invitation to everyone, signed up or not, to stay around for the Valentine's with this evening. Uh, there, are, From what I've been told, there is plenty of food, and I'll even offer a riddle, and maybe to entice you to stay, if you get over there and see the quantity of potatoes that are in those pans, if anybody can tell me how many pounds of potatoes that is, I don't know what, to, what I'll give you, but I think it's very interesting, uh, the amount of potatoes that's over there. So hopefully you'll come and help us eat those, because I don't want to be eating on them all week long. Uh, tonight, if you haven't kind of figured out, I have a little bit to do with love. I really appreciate Joel. Uh, kind of put him on the spot yesterday to, to lead singing. That's that's only the second time he's he's led the whole service, and I really appreciate him and his willingness to do that. And those songs were not at my request, but they go perfectly uh, with what uh, what we'll be talking about this evening. And in addition to that, uh, I've heard Kirk mention, mention that before in a prayer, but but that statement, radical love, um, in, in, a, in a description of the things that we've recently been talking about just really has a profound uh, effect on me thinking about it in those terms. And so my goal and, and aim for this evening is only to, to try to extend upon the thoughts that have been offered uh, recently, uh, in the lessons that we've we've talked about and to talk further and understanding and gain a deeper understanding of the love of God. So last Sunday morning, I had the opportunity to preach on short notice, but I love appreciate the opportunity regardless to preach. And we explored and discussed the the text, first John, or me, from John chapter 13, 34 and 35, where John records for us. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know, by this all will know, that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So we spent time last Sunday identifying that this was a new commandment that Jesus had given to his, his apostles here. And that one in which we are to love one another, not as, as what had been loved previously, but we are to love as, as Christ love. And this was to be an identifying trait of a Christian so that others may know who and whose we are. Through the course of the lesson, I, I hope that we established an understanding of what love is in the context of the Bible, defining what sacrificial love is in the context of, from God. We discussed that love must be developed, it must be demonstrated, and, and when we do those things, uh, we have really a better understanding of sacrificial love of God. And we try, I hope to conclude and trying to drive home the point by looking at a song, um, song number 112 in your songbook, They'll Know We Are Christians. And we looked at those, those four verses in the context and tried to make the point to be united in truth of God's word as, as, as kind of a summary of the first verse. Second verse could be summarized by being willing to involve and support the work of others. The third verse, being willing to serve with each other. And the fourth verse, to give God the glory for the increase. All that to be summarized and, and be emphasized with the words of the Course. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. So following through... With the commitment that I made last Sunday to, to preach this evening in place of Doug so that Doug can uh, have, have, uh, have, t- have the opportunity to do the, de- uh, the thought tonight for the Valentine's make. What you're stuck with me again tonight. And with that being said, I'm going to emphasize something I said last week and the fact that I am by far and by no means an expert in love but what i have determined in my studies and in the preparation for these two lessons is that god is god can be very easily summarized and quite simply stated that god is love because it's a fact that we as human beings we often fall short when we talk about love and we talk about the sacrificial love that god has but god through his word, is an excellent teacher, gives us excellent examples, and establishes a good pattern for us to follow. By no means can I do the great job that Doug did this morning in the way that he laid it out, but he covered a lot of some of the, some of the same thoughts. As he mentioned to me, I think when we were talking about the sermon last Sunday, we're all preaching out of the same books so are coming up with a lot of the same thoughts. It's just the way it works out in that we're going to talk this evening, quite simply, about God is love. And so to tie tonight's lesson into another song, turn with me in your songbooks to number 774. Number 774. We're not going to sing this song tonight. It's one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite songs to sing with the youth. But I want to make emphasis and make points, quite simply to the alto lead part. Because as the bass that I, that I sing, or maybe if you sing soprano or if you sing tenor, you don't always focus in on those words. You're, you're thinking about the words that you're singing and, and why this is a beautiful melody when it comes all together and we sing it through. Think about the words that the alto has here. Love one another, for love is of God. He who loves is born of God, and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love, for God is love. That text, a lot of that's coming from 1 John. So go ahead and be turning to 1 John if you put your songbook away. Be kind of thinking about that, that song in your mind there as we, as we enter into the lesson. But a lot of a text that we're going to consider and be reading together tonight is going to be coming from 1 John. So uh, go ahead and be turning there. As the song stated and concluded there, God is love. And I, I really want that to just sink in for just a second to think about it. And to think about that radical love that Kirk mentioned or the love that Doug has talked about in several of his lessons about sacrificing his, his son as he did this morning. Think about the fact that God is love. (coughs) You know, the understanding of that and the appreciation of that statement really, I use the word paramount. That may not be the best choice of words, but I feel like the understanding and the appreciation that love is paramount to our ability to to save others and, and, and ourself. I think, I hope I'm, I'm being clear with what I'm trying to say here. And the fact that understanding and appreciating love, only when we begin to, to understand the love of God do we have the ability of not only saving our own soul, but saving the souls of others. Our Christianity must be based on sharing the truth that God is love. There's various approaches, if you will, to reaching out to the lost. But the one that i truly believe will be the one that is best received is to approach the lost with love when we reach out to the lost with the gospel we must start out with this foundation that god is love we're not trying to go in and and into to beat this idea into somebody's head we're not trying to go in to, to teach him that God is mean and that He is he's wanting to send everyone to, to hell, although the Bible does talk about that is as the, the punishment. But we've got to approach it in such a manner that we don't want to create God to be the enemy and that we want the gospel to be preached in love so that people will understand that God, in turn, is love. We must convey the positives to the lost that God loves us, that God cleanses us of our sins, He forgives us of our sins, and that He cares about us. Otherwise, if we don't convey that, why would somebody want to become what we are? A Christian. A Christian is one who sees God as a loving Father and is one that has a happy, loving life. When we truly understand the context of John three sixteen. I think we only begin to grasp the love of God. One of the very most quoted verses in all the world is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But do we truly grasp the meaning behind that? And understand that the central theme of the Bible is that God is the God of the cross. And at the cross is where he showed us his love. God defined and demonstrated love at the cross. Look at look with me at, John, at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 there's a couple readings here that I want us to consider and keeping in mind the love of God at the cross. John brings us to 1 John chapter 4, we're starting in verse 7, and we did look at a little bit of this last week, but let's look at it for, uh, you know in, into a bigger context starting with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Scripture from which the song that we referenced earlier uh, is taken from. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent His, his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Again, making the emphasis on this text that God is love and what He did for us, Keeping that in mind, drop down to verse 16. Drop down to verse 16. For we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, and, excuse me, because. As he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, verse 18, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. To know God is to know love. To know God is... Is no love. I feel like these scriptures very clearly point point us to the fact that God is love. If we, as the church, can grasp the truth of the fact that God is love, the impact, as Kurt mentioned in his prayer with that use of radical, the impact that we will have when we live out this type of love in our life. Could, can only be unimaginable. The love of God has the power to change, and it has the power to be bold, as the scripture here from 1 John tells us, and it has the power to overcome fear, both, both from, from the text that we just looked at. The love of God can change the human life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, the very last verse in that chapter, he said, that he was going to show a more excellent way. Then he goes and begins the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and describes what love is and what the love of God is all about. That's the type of radical love that we're talking about. We won't take the time to to read that text this evening but I'd encourage you in your own personal studies to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The mindset of God is love from what we just looked at in 1 John chapter 4. And in the fact that, you know, keeping in mind that that type of love is going to produce results. Going to produce changes in a person's life that we better be ready to expect. Because that type of love and the type of love that Paul is, not, is advocating here is not a sentimental, mushy, selfish love. He's not talking about the type of love that may be portrayed in our society, being very superficial, type of love that we see in TVs and in movies, a love that has no depth, that has no sense, and it has no meaning, because it's not a love that's based upon the love of God that we find within the Scriptures. Paul here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is teaching about agape, agape love, a decided love. Yes, I told you last Sunday I wasn't going to go to the Greek, but I went and did it anyway. Because when we say love, that word is so loosely thrown around that I don't think there's a better way to define the type of love that God has than to use the Greek and to use the word agape, to consider that God is love, I truly think we have to understand what agape love is all about. And that it is something that God defined, not man, but God defined the type of agape love that we find in the scripture. Because it's a love in which God decided to love man. God decided, he made a conscious decision that he was going to love man Regardless, much as what Doug pointed out this morning. But in reciprocal of that, if man is to have the type of love, that agape love that we find in the scriptures, it must be a decision that we make as well to love God. Only through the vessel of Christ can this happen. Only through the vessel of Christ can agape love happen and can we even begin to fathom how big agape love truly is. And so this evening... All that was introduction, so this evening, as far as three points that I want to make as far as what we need to be focused on as a type of love, the love of God, agape love, a decided love. The first point is this type of love, it applies to our salvation. To borrow from Doug this morning, kind of maybe one of them raised eyebrow moments when I asked this question. But hopefully you, you see where I'm coming from with it. Do you appreciate the fact that you have been taught the truth and that you've been saved? Do you appreciate the fact that you've been taught the truth and that you've been saved? Do you, and so here's the raised eyebrow moment. That probably didn't catch too much off guard. Do you appreciate the fact that you've been saved and that you have your salvation enough to say that you love your salvation? do you love your salvation do you love your salvation enough that you want to share it enough that you want to share your salvation or do you want to keep it to yourself do you want to keep it to yourself because that's part of being a Christian is wanting to share our salvation. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 tells us to present the truth. Paul said, speak the truth in love. When we teach, when we preach, when we evangelize without love, we are not following sound doctrine. The gospel of Christ can only be carried out with love. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10 speaks of people who, Who did not have a love of the truth, and without, or excuse me, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perished because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Do we love the truth enough to share it? Why is it that some will hear and obey the gospel, but yet why is it that some will hear and reject it? The Bible says that only the honest and the loving heart will embrace the gospel. Paul said the reason that men fight and reject the gospel is that they have not a love for truth, a love that is in their heart that they might be saved. Because in John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus himself said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the problem with, our, with salvation and saving others is not necessarily a problem with getting people into the baptistry behind me or to any other water to be baptized for the remission of their sins, but the problem is getting love into their hearts so that they may see the love of God. A person who generally loves God will be submissive in love and not controlled by his own stubbornness, controlled by his own prejudice, and, beco- and controlled by his own pride. Because I would propose to you this evening that love is a matter of salvation. Love is a matter of salvation. Follow, me, follow with me on this thought. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, For Christ Jesus neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Ponder that for just a second there, what Paul says in the latter part of verse 6. Faith working through love. I hope it's not too much of a grasp to take and go to James chapter 2. And consider that James says that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So is it not reasonable then to say that faith without love is dead as well? Faith without love is dead as well. The reality of one's salvation is dependent upon one's willingness and ability to love. I told you we was going to spend some time in 1 John. Turn back one chapter to 1 John chapter 3. Hopefully I can make this point and make it clear where, where I'm coming from. First John chapter three by using this text, starting in verse 11, First John chapter 3, verse 11. And then we're going to drop, jump down to 14. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that you should love one another. Now verse, verse 14, "We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brethren abides in death. So I ask the question, do you love? This is a clear and simple Bible truth from this text that if you don't love, you don't love your brother, you're abiding in death. The love of God has to penetrate the heart of man, enabled to establish a faith that is grounded in love. Drop down a few verses with me in 1 John chapter 3 to verse 18. Starting in verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall, and shall assure our hearts before him. Verse 20, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and, and knows all things. Beloved, our heart does not condemn us before... Excuse me. We have confidence towards God. Is our heart where it ought to be? Do we have the love that we should? Do we have confidence in our salvation by the way that we love? One way the Bible tells us to be sure of our salvation is to love. We must love our salvation so much that we want to share it. And like I did last week, I want you to hold that thought. So if you can hold that thought, we must love our salvation so much that we want to share it. And I want to pick up our, uh, on another point, and we'll come back to that one here in just a second. Talking about the love of God, the agape love, a decided love, another place, another point that we need to consider is having this love in our homes. Having this love in our homes. The family unit, as God designed it, is under attack in our society today. There's so many issues that are breaking up families and homes that we can't even begin to identify all of them. But what we can do is identify a solution. And the solution I propose is love. It may seem cliche, but it's scriptural. Our homes are not what God intended for them to be until they are filled with love. The problems that arise in the home are not solved until they are solved with love. By our human-made efforts, we can attempt to patch men, hold things together, and do the best job that we can. But until we use love and the love of God, agape love, the decided love, we're not solving anything. Because, see, God put forth a pattern for us for the home. Quite simple. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, starting there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. I think that kind of ties back to John chapter 13, 34 and 35 that we looked at last week. Going on, verse 26. That he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that he should be holy or that she should be holy and without blemish. Verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. There's our pattern, men. And until we love with that type of love in our homes, we're not having the home that God intended for us to have. We must love our wives as Christ loved the church. In Titus chapter 2, the young women were admonished to love their husbands and their children. Love is to fill our homes so that our homes can be a place of blessing and happiness that we can raise a family loving God. I want to present to you one other point and that is this love of God, this agape love must be applied to others. So we've considered salvation, we've considered our homes and I want us to consider others. And the first one, make kind of two subpoints here and the first one is our brethren. And again, we talked about this some um, last Sunday and as I said last Sunday, this is going to be a continuation of that lesson. But we can't talk about loving others without looking at John chapter 13, 34, and 35 once more. And considering the fact that Jesus says a new commandment, I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is not the same type of love that we've seen from the Old Testament but when a love that were, they were told then to love others as they love themselves, but instead it was a love to love like Christ loved, a new love, a sacrificial love. This new love, aside from Christ, is the foundation of the church. See, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. It is our obligation it's Paul, from Paul's teaching here to love. Peter also echoed that, those same sentiments of Paul and, and, and Jesus when he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. I realize that love isn't always the easiest recipe to follow in our, in our lives and in the way that things sometimes go. But what I'm proposing is that it is the recipe that God has given for us to make our lives complete, to make the church complete, and to follow after the example that he has laid out for us in the New Testament. Jesus, Paul, and Peter, they all taught this in the Scriptures as we just considered, that the answer to our problems that we may face is to love each other as God loved, as God loved us. Not because, let's face it, not because we're all lovable, right? I don't, hopefully nobody's looking at anybody specifically. But in fact, oftentimes as humans, we're sometimes the exact opposite of that. We are and can be very unlovable. But we are to love one another because we're created in God's image, We are to love one another because Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. We are to love one another in spite of our own human failings. And we're to love one another in spite of what you do or don't do to me or for me. The love of God is a decided love. The love of God is a love that loves regardless. Regardless. I ask you to hold on to that thought. We must love... Our salvation so much that we must share it. We must share it with the lost. We must share it with the lost. A decided love for others can't just be extended to those that we know and and love and care about already. That's in our own little circle. The love of God must be extended to others. And when I say extended to others, I specifically mean the lost. This really ties us into the first point of the sermon about loving your salvation so much that we have to share it. It's been said that you can't go to heaven alone. That you've got to take someone with you. That someone is a lost soul. So I asked you the question this evening, because I've asked a lot already, but how do you view the lost? How do you view the lost? I think we got to view them the way that Christ saw them. Christ was moved with compassion when he saw the mass of lost souls. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, one of the last scriptures we'll consider this evening as we begin to wrap wrap up our thoughts. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. When we leave out of these four walls, and out of this building this evening. We go our separate ways. We begin our daily routine tomorrow and we come in contact with people of the world. How do you see those people? Do we see them as lost souls? Are we filled with compassion because they are lost? Are we filled with enough compassion that we're willing to take action? Bring everything full circle. You see the love of God, a decided love, is a love that will convict one into action. When we understand his sacrificial love for us, when we see that God is a God of love, when we apply this type of love into our own lives, we'll be motivated into action to share this love. To love people, we have to get to know them. We have to let down our invisible walls and our barriers and we have to let people know who we are. I'm sure being that most of us are from Oklahoma are familiar with a guy by the name of Will Rogers. For you maniacs, I hope you are at least familiar with him. He's often famous for one quote that probably most people recognize him for and that. He has often contributed with saying, I never met a man I didn't like. I never met a man I didn't like. With that thought in mind, as Christians, we need to exemplify this statement and take it to the next level, the level that God would have us to be at and the level of love because it is, just, it is a decided love that commit, that we need to commit to That we need to be committed to sharing with others and sharing his word to all that we come in contact with. And it is when we live and act out this committed love that hopefully we can be so convicted that we could proclaim that I never met a man I didn't love. I never met a man I didn't love. It's a tall task. But it's a task that as Christians we must be willing to, to take on. And take on very willingly because to go back to what we just looked at in Matthew chapter 9. Talking about laborers going into the harvest. Are you willing to answer the call? To be a laborer ready to go into his harvest? Willing to do so to share the love of God? May we be moved with compassion for the lost. For the dying souls that are out there and be willing to share the love of God. God is love. We can live our whole lives and not fully fathom the depth of that simple statement. God is love. But we can do our best from our study of the scriptures to emulate the love of God in our salvation, in our homes, and in the way that we love others. Because the plain and simple truth is that the love that we share is what Christianity is all about. The love that we share is what Christianity is all about. Unless one says, knows, and does from the motivation of love, then his words and his actions are not of God. So, this evening, as we conclude out of love, I want to encourage you to consider the condition of your own soul this evening. This evening, if you've not experienced the love of God through salvation, We talked about it briefly, but we didn't talk about how to get into the love of God. Much as Doug did this morning, we have to be in Christ to be fully receiving the love of God. But it has to start with being obedient to His Word and following the steps of salvation that are laid out within His Bible. One must hear the Word, Romans 10, 17. Believing the Word, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Repenting, Luke 13, 3 and 5. Confessing Christ, the Son of God, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32 and 33, thus leading one to be baptized for the remission of their sins, Acts two thirty-eight, Mark 16, 15, and 16. If that's the type of love you want to come in contact with or you want to study and know more about. There's many, many here that would be willing to do that. And if you need to respond to that invitation, this invitation is for you this evening. Or if you have once had the love of God in your life and have lost it, you let it go away. You exchange the love of God for the love of seeking the love of the world. What better opportunity than to reclaim the love of God tonight as the Lord's invitation is extended to you as we stand and sing.